going to read a poem which some of you have heard before. I'd like you, despite having heard it before, to listen to it as if this is the first time. Please call me by my true names, by Thich Nhat Hanh. Do not say that I'll depart tomorrow. Even today I am still arriving. Look deeply. Every second I am arriving. To be a bud on a spring branch. To be a tiny bird with still fragile wings. Learning to sing in my new nest. To be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower. To be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that are alive. I am the mayfly metamorphosizing, metamorphizing on the surface of the river. And I am the bird which, when spring comes, arrives in time to eat the mayfly. I am the frog swimming happily in the clear water of a pond. And I am the grass snake that silently feeds itself on the frog. I am the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks. And I am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I am the twelve-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I am the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo with plenty of power in my hands. And I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people, dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears. So vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and so the door of my heart can be left open the door of compassion. I've read that Thich Nhat Hanh says that <clears throat> writing this poem, some of it was very directly related to his life and him. 
he says that, of course, if he had been born in the small villages on the coast of Vietnam, it's very likely he could have become the sea pirate who, in the days of the boat people, was, on one hand, ferrying people and also preying on them, raping and otherwise. Because large numbers of the village people became just that. He had a number of brother monks with whom he was very close, who were put into forced labor camps when the North Vietnamese took over South Vietnam. A number of them, and he lists specific names, but there's no need for me to do that, who were killed or died in these labor camps. So he's speaking very directly about his own life and his own struggles. He struggled with this poem. I have a number of earlier versions where slightly different phrasing. So he writes sometimes, please call me by my correct names. And other minor differences, but very clearly emphasizing his working with how to say this in a way that's most clear and helpful for us so that we can see this as an expression of the struggles of practice, which is what this is. Call me by my true names. What is my true names? What are the true names that he's asking us to call, to call the sea pirate and the raped girl who kills herself, the Politburo government official who's imposing his will upon all the people and the people who are in the prison camps being murdered and tortured. Those are more direct examples, of course. It's easier for us to distance ourselves from the non-human frog, snake, and talk of, oh well, they're just cause and effect, nature. But the sea pirate too is cause and effect. The Politburo and the arms merchant and the raped girl and all. But yet, what is true names? What is my true names? What is calling by my true names? What is hearing cries and laughter, joy and pain as one? That's the real 
question here for us, or the real, if I say it a different way, the real challenge for us. How do we open our heart to what's hard to hear? And that's hard. That's why it's, in a sense, practice. That's why first, second, third, blush, or even attempt, we want, we believe, we're sure we should go to one side or another. And reactions about who and what. Of course, this is easy because it's a distant situation. So as I've been doing this session, I told you I picked out at random some quotes from Joko and selected five before I even knew what I was going to talk about and decided each day I'd read one and hopefully can make find something in the Dharma talks and in them that connect. I suppose I might have even selected that what I'm going to talk about based on these, but I can't quite say that since I really didn't study them. I simply drew them out of a group that I had put together. And I hadn't... So the one I just... Or yesterday... Well, actually, the day before yesterday decided to read today is... This is from Joko. Maturity is the willingness to give to another that which is not being given to you. How do we call by true names? And what's the consequence of calling by true names? Of opening our heart allowing the heart to be open even with what's painful. What is true names? What is the true names? Not some imaginary idealistic, oh, someone could say this is all, oh yeah, they're all Buddha nature or some such thing, therefore I call them that. No, no, no. It doesn't say my true name. What singular? It's Call me by my true names, all, all my cries and laughters at once, all my joy and pain are one. How do we do that? See, that's what he's talking to us to. There's a incident in the early sutras. There's many different... Uh, versions of this in different Nikayas. I'll mention a few. It's in the Dhammapada. It's also in the... uh, I mentioned this just for those of you who are interested in such things. In the Majima Nikaya, in Anguttara Nikaya, uh, in the Theragada. So it's quite a number of different versions of this. And I will condense and simplify. This is the story of Angulimala. Angulimala. Angulimala lives in the time of the historical Buddha. And he's what sometimes is called a highwayman or a robber. Um, 
living in a cliff in a forest. And when he sees passing people passing through, he hurts or kills these travelers. People start avoiding the road, so he goes into villages and kills people in the villages. Villages start becoming abandoned in areas where he roams. But he doesn't steal particularly clothes or jewelry. He steals one thing, a finger of the person that he kills. In fact, that's where his name comes from. Mala is the necklace. He has a necklace of finger bones that he wears. Some sutras say he originally just hung it on a tree, but the birds were eating the flesh off it, so he decided to take it and wear it as a So he's a fairly brutal murderer and parts of the area where he lives become abandoned because people fear him. The king even, there's a story in one of the sutras of the king, King Pasinada. I think I pronounced his name right, but be that as it may, has guards all over. So he has... 999 finger bones and he wants to get a thousand but people make a point of avoiding the area where he is the Buddha hears of this the historical Buddha and says I'm going to go wandering as a mendicant in this area and The Buddha's disciples in some sutras try to dissuade him. And he refuses to be dissuaded. So, the Buddha's wandering in Angulimala sees the Buddha. And it's said that though Angulimala was running fast to try to catch the Buddha, he couldn't. The Buddha was walking calmly. And um, whether it says there was some sort of spiritual power or accomplishment or whatever, we don't have to go into that. In any case, the Angulamala yells to the Buddha, Stop, stop! And the Buddha says, I've already stopped. You, Angulamala, should stop. The Buddha says, I am standing still, having all for all beings laid aside the rods, but you are unrestrained regarding creature. Therefore, I am standing still. You are not standing still. And for some reason, this strikes Angulamala. This is the, what the sutra uses, these words, others Sutras might have slightly different version. So Angulamala asks the Buddha for an explanation. And the Buddha says that a practitioner should control their desires. 
this is what you stop clinging to. In their interchange, Angulamala is impressed by the Buddha and overcome with guilt. He finally, after they spend time together, and he sees that the Buddha isn't fearful of him and actually is very direct with him and tells him to come along with him, he says to the Buddha that he's going to cease being a brigand murderer and he would like to be a disciple of the Buddha. Could that be? And the Buddha says, yes. The Buddha comes back to his disciples along with this other person and as they get closer, the people recognize that's Angulamala. And at first, they, others don't want to allow him there, but the Buddha says, no, he can, he's changed his way and I accept him. There was difficulty. At one point, Angulamala, after, even though he had shaven head and was wearing the robes of a bhikkhu, went out begging and he came to a village where the people recognized him, beat him up. It's said that he came back to the Buddha's disciples and the Buddha and he had blood pouring out of all parts of his body and he had lost an eye. I don't know different versions as I said. But the Buddha after Angulamala died, the Buddha said Angulamala became an arhat and had attained nirvana, which surprised some of the monks. They said, how could it be after he'd killed so many people for him to still be awakened? Buddha says, even having done so much evil, a person still has the possibility to change to, in one sense, give up all that and even attain the awakening. Now, I, there's much more one can go into this and the sutras do, but that's enough in order to shed some light on this, please call me by my true names. Please call me by my true names. Notice, it's calling me by my true names so that I can awake, so I can wake up, and so that the door of my heart can be left open. See, that's the doors that we close up when we and all of us in our own ways get caught in our reactions in calling different universes, different events, different, certainly other people, sometimes ourselves, we close our heart to it because we can't see it 
as is. In a simple sense, we can't see it, if I'll explain, as cause and effect our life this moment. But we can see it even deeper. So I want to say a little more and then maybe we can reflect further. We all can chew on what is it that we believe is that my true names, names, says the, doesn't say my true name. In earlier versions, as I said, he says my correct, but he still says my correct names so that I can hear at the same time all my cries and my laughs, so I can see that my joy and my pain are but one. My correct name, so that I can become awake, so that my door heart can be left open or be opened and opened and opened again because we close up. So, in relation to this, I'm going to read two short verses. These are connected to verses on the precepts. Self-nature is inconceivably wondrous. In the faultless dharma, not speaking of others' faults, is called the precept of refraining from speaking of others' shortcoming. Faultless dharma, and yet killers, rapists, and those raped, those dying in prison camps. Not praising self and degrading others, Self-nature is inconceivably wondrous. In the undifferentiated dharma, not speaking of self and other, is called the precept of refraining from praising yourself and degrading others. We could, of course, translate slightly differently in different forms of English because these are of course originally Chinese and then Japanese and then English and so we shouldn't get stuck on the word the wording the specific wording shortcomings of others whichever word we want to what resonates for us. What we believe about that others are or are not doing, whether they are or are not practicing, we could say, or struggling with their clinging attachments, reactions, or at least they're not doing it in the way that we believe they should, the way we believe they're not practicing because we know how and what they should be doing. This poem exactly touches on such matters. We know what the pirates should not be doing or should be doing, should have been beyond, 
despite the universe showing us that he should be exactly where he is because that's where he is. And yet, Thich Nhat Hanh also believes in the, if I say, the power of calling by true names. But notice he doesn't say he's for others. He says, please call me by my true name so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once. All of these are my true names. All of these beings. So I can see my joy and pain are one. Despite the fact that every one of us wants to run away from our pain. Every one of us wants to run away from our crying. Can we, what is it to open the doors of our heart to what's hard to open our hearts to. See, we all have what we individually don't want to, cannot open our heart to as this universe, as this that I am going to call directly as mine, despite the fact that I don't want this, that I'm sure this should not be. That's why these precepts about speaking about the faults of others are about speaking about the faults of ourselves, so to speak. Praising self, not praising self. Praising others, not degrading others. All of these are exactly our life practice. Okay, I've spoken too much now. So, I will stop. Maybe something here will be useful in your practice. I'll read once more the quote from Joko for today. Maturity is the willingness to give to another that which is not been being given not only not been but not being given to you not being given to you and yet give it to another we all have lots of reasons why we won't open our heart won't give to others certain things And yet, Joko encourages us at least when we finally discover that we're doing that or we're not doing that or doing not doing that, right there is our practice. Okay, I've said too much. Thank you. So if you wish to bring up something... If you wish to change position, feel comfortable, feel welcome to do that. And if you have something you wish to say, please do. Well, I'm not sure if I have something to say or not. Um, Some things came to mind.
between what Joko is saying as a, an aspiration versus something that becomes a mental exercise. So I think if something becomes a mental exercise and I start to do something like that where, oh, I'm going to try to be mature and, you know, give something that I'm not giving back. Sometimes it can't be helped. I mean, like in a work situation, a lot of times a person might be giving a lot and not feel like they're get, getting, you know, uh, much back, that that's different. I'm talking about more interpersonally and such. Um, but to actually be able to, in whatever situation, I think, you know, to be able to be with the truth and, you know, just even privately, um, that's that resting and that, that is very difficult. Uh, but at the same time, that's, that, that seems to me very powerful. Thich Nhat Hanh says, so that I can, in a sense, please support me by calling me by my true name so that I can see that my joy and pain, how can I be both my pain and real pain, which none of us want, whether it's something as simple as work or as the pain of being raped. None of us want that, but yet how do we work with that? How do we wake up the closeness in our heart wherever that arises? Because then we can respond Or then we can, if I go back to the story, how we can then let go of our, call it lusts, call it, which is the way the traditional, well, it isn't the way because that's English, desires, clinging, greed, all the different ways of that we want things to be a certain way. 
and are hurt when they're not that way. And how much we don't see when we're imposing that as we become enslaved, so to speak. Whether as the pirate, without seeing what we're doing to others when we do it. He said, I could have been a pirate if I had been born in those villages. Because those people, that pirate, as he was seeing it or saying it, was enslaved and could not see the, what he was doing. The torturer in the prison camp could not see it. The North Vietnamese prison camp guard was just who he was, having been born and grown up in that culture, that he was able to do that. And there's no blame there. Just as the snake, we wouldn't blame the snake for eating the frog, or maybe we would. But how do we all my true names, by my true names, not my true name, so that I can hear all my cries and laughter at once. It's not either or. It's not one keeps out the other. We have cries and laughter, joy and pain, that are indeed one. Our life, that's our heart. Otherwise, we haven't reached where this poem is encouraging us to go. It's not easy. And as I said, this comes out of his own personal experiencing. I won't, I'll say practice, you could say struggle, whatever, with these events. And he specifically in some interviews talks about the details. He even gives names of people, as I said who died in some of these prison camps or these both people, families that he saw, met with, and so forth. Yeah? I think of Joko's quote, I think of uh, the nurses in my life. My sister's a nurse, my nephew's a nurse, my grandmother was a nurse, and... uh, and I hear stories about how they have to deal with tremendous situations of patients, you know, death threat. They want to kill the nurse. <laughs> they want to, uh, you know, extreme beratement through language. And, and yet the nurse's job is still to help no matter what. It's kind of uh, either psychologically or physically yeah. through help. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, it's demanding poem because it demands a lot of ourselves. But yes. um, you know, in these days, I hate, I hate to bring up politics, but it's hard not to think about it, especially when you're reading that poem uh, for me. And I think the only thing that I can do, um, I mean, I could go out on marches and I could I could do all of that, but I don't. Or I, I've got it a little bit. I've done some, but but what I can do is meditate. That sounds wacky, but what are you going to do with a bad word? Well, I'm just going to sit and meditate. Um, but I hate to think of what I'd be like if I didn't. Well, what is it to open our heart to calling all by the true names, not just those we like, don't like, all by the true names. That's why I also read those two precepts, the not speaking of the faults of others and not praising self and degrading others, or vice versa, not degrading self and praising others. And then how do we talk about things that that are... Really difficult. Who, who knows? I mean, that the things that Thich Nhat Hanh is talking about in the poem are really difficult. They might be distant to us right now, but when the poem first came out, they weren't so distant, and they were certainly personal for him. That's why it was a practice struggle, and that wa- that's why, in a sense, he wrote the poem to reflect that and to see how... Can this help me open my heart? Open my heart. That's what we all don't want to do in all sorts of ways. That's called self-centeredness. Because we don't want to open our heart of compassion to see the whole world in all its myriad cries and laughter and joy and pain. That it's all our ours. It's all ours to call by true names as opposed to the names that we want to call. And it's the hardest thing. How do we not call Angulamala murderer? Kill him right away. Don't don't let him don't let him people said, don't let him ordain. He he killed my cousin in those other villages. He murdered and tortured those people and look at him. He wears his their necklace or he wore their bones think of that think of 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 the strength of that and yet and yet and this is in the sutra for just that reason because of the strength of the buddha talks about it in ter- well let, let me not say the sutra talks about it in terms of we are driven by our, whether they use the word desires or lusts. The Buddha says to him, this is a recreation, so I don't can't say it's a... You can no more stop your desire for further conquest than you can stop the gray hairs which gather upon your brow. 
And Buddha says, you bow before lusts that sweep through your mind, heart, and do their will, will, as helpless as the rice bows before the wind. See? Our, now, of course, this is strong language, but we have to look so to ourselves. Joko, so what does Joko say? What does Joko say? Yeah, Maturity is the willingness to give to others which, which that which is not being given to you. That which, and we all get caught in this because we use that which is not being given to us to say, well, I'm going to do the same thing. Because we get caught. Getting caught is simply an opportunity at some point to notice, oh, I've been caught in that. I reacted to that. I didn't even see I was reacting to that. And we all have places which we react to, which we can't begin to see that there's practice until such point we see that there's practice. So this poem is really a call to all of us. Of course. To... Yeah? To practice. To call our life and all that we encounter by my true names. But I won't say what the true names are. That's for us to struggle and clarify with. But you can know if it doesn't lead to waking up and to opening your heart, then we are still somewhat off. If we don't see compassion, if we are selective in our compassion, see, it's easy to be compassionate towards the raped girl who kills herself. It's hard to be compassionate to the pirate. It's easy to be compassionate to the person dying slowly in a prison camp. It's hard to be compassionate to the Politburo member in whatever, wherever capital it is who's making these decisions to throw these pe- people in, into the gas chambers. How do we be compassionate to those people? See, that's very hard. A friend of mine told me of her work with children of uh, uh, death camp guard, Nazi guards whose whose parents were the ones who drove people into the gas chambers, into the um, burning ovens. How do they be compassionate with their parents who've done these things? This is those, their children who they had raised in a loving way as children, and yet who then discover this other aspect of their parents. This is not to speak of those whose families were in the prison camps or in the, you know, in the death chambers. See, that's, see, this isn't an easy poem. This isn't an easy practice. This is a lifelong struggle practice. And it's the same with the precepts. They're not easy because they call us to go beyond what, quote, we're being given beyond our resentment of what we don't want to 
That's why it's called practice. That's why it's called opening our heart. Despite the fact that we discover more and more in all sorts of ways, the more we open, the more we also discover, if I use it this way, ways that it's closed, places that it's closed, people and circumstances that we refuse to call by true names, refuse to open our heart to, whether it's in terms of our own functioning or those of others. And we do it often without even knowing it until we discover it. If anything, Mushin said something I'd say, we sit so that we can discover all these places where we refuse to open our hearts, which we don't want to see. Lisa. I just I wanted s- to say uh, one line I really love too in that poem. I don't know if it's right at the very end or in the middle, but he says something about call me if you call me by any of those names, I have to say yes. I don't see it in this version of it. Now, as I said, there's a number of different versions of this poem. I have two right here. Um, and the difference is it it's a reflection of his working with it, editing it um, in different ways. Now, nowadays, the, the, the poem is known as Please Call Me By My True Names, but the earlier version was just poem, and it used the phrase "correct my correct names. That's one earlier version. This is, you could see this paper is yellowed. Um, did you write it in English or I can't say. I don't know. I don't know. He, he probably wrote. He might have written it in French, and it got translated. I I didn't do an extensive. It, it, I think that's secondary because no matter which version, it's the points that are being made. Don't worry about the exact words. For, for that, go to a translator and a scholar. But, but what what's useful for us? Yes. distant. It could be our partner or 
family member or friend when such situations come up and we find ourselves speaking of their faults and degrading them or whatever because they did A, B, C and they should have known better than or how come they're not beyond that kind of reaction. There was some other hand. I didn't... Okay. I was... Let, let, let me just say, if, you, if you're on this side and I look on this side, I don't see you. So you're going to have to raise your hand more because I don't see with this eye. One of my teachers I studied with from the late 90s to 2008, um, when we came to a place where we couldn't see ourselves in the other, she would say, say, just like me. And you'd be really caught in your duality of how they're bad or wrong or and she would say say just like me and it would be so hard to say just like me and then she would the work would be to find where in you are you like that and I would say well I'm not a murderer and she would say how many plans and ideas of others have you murdered of your own you know, she would bring it to How many plans and ideas of others have you murdered. Like my grandson say, well, I'm going out now. And I say, no, you're not. You know, that kind of thing. Well, like where you can relate to how all those things are in you. And, and that, was, that was good because the work went on for months like that, looking at all the places that you judged and and defiled in others and then made the quest interiorly to see how is that just like you? And that was great. The other thing she said, which seems to go along with what Joko's saying, is she would say to us, give to others what you want most, what you're waiting to receive. And, you know, so you were wanting to be understood or accepted um, then understand and accept. And now I can see another layer of her teaching, which is so much like what we're teaching, because it, it brings it into the, you know, if you want to say being time, you know, where we're all related mm -hmm. in that way. So you want, I want love, but no one's giving me love. So I give love. And then I get love because it's coming through me to give to you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it was so tangible working with her that way. And in a way we could also use the very visceral sense of how we be, become attuned to where and when we're closed-hearted, whatever that means for us, and where and when we're open-hearted and use that as a entry point however that seems and we don't have to make it as a certainty as this is what it is but that this is rather the entry point to rest in and viscerally experience how it is so for us can you have that real, say really quickly sure. in relation to what you one thing I learned, you know, like I said I was in the army. One thing the army taught me, it was a big surprise to me, was that 
regardless of how, what we think we are or are not capable of, given the right circumstances and motivation, most of us, perhaps all of us, I can't say that, would do things that we can't imagine that we would do mm-hmm. under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. So the pirate is not that far. It's not as far as we think it is. We think it's another universe. It's just the other side of the street, given the right circumstance, given the right motivation, mm-hmm. and, and, and justifiable from our, our point of view. I'm going to stop here unless someone has anything they absolutely have to say. Thank you all.